Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Welcome to Money for the Rest of Us. This is a personal finance show on money, how it works, how to invest it, and how to live without worrying about it. I'm your host, David Stein. Today is episode 230. It's titled, Use Caution with Real Estate Crowdfunding. Back. In May 2016, I released an episode titled Episode 106, Investing in Real Estate on Crowdfunding Platform. I had just made my first real estate crowdfunding investment. This was, I don't know if this was peak real estate crowdfunding, but there was a lot of interest. There were well over 100 platforms, most of which were backed by venture capitalists. So they were early stage companies. It was hard to figure out who the leaders were and where to invest. But I chose to make a $20,000 investment on Acquire Real Estate. And I thought it would be interesting, it's been two and a half years, to sort of share with you what has happened since then. How has that investment worked out? What have I learned? What have the pitfalls have been? Going in, things always look really rosy didn't work out as well as I would have liked. The investment was a hotel and restaurant. And I I signed a confidentiality agreement when I made the investment. So I'm not going to give the name. I'm going to share sort of broad characteristics. What was I looking for? And as we go through the process, you'll, you'll be able to take away what you should look for if you're considering making an investment via a crowdfunding real estate platform or for any type of investment. I've, I've invested institutionally in, in real estate investments, so I'm comfortable looking at the structures of limited partnerships, looking at how they're the particular investment process. So in looking at this particular opportunity on acquire real estate, I, I approached it in the same way. And the first thing you want to look at is well, why? Why this particular opportunity? Not not even before you, before you even look at the numbers. What about it? I, I've been to this area where this property is located. It has high barriers to entry. It's an older part of a, a major city. Not a lot of room for, for other hotels. Kind of a neighborhood type restaurant. Just kind of a, this is a 13 very small. It's a boutique hotel, 13 rooms, about 80 individuals or seats in the restaurant. So that was a good thing. The sponsor of the deal was a, a fourth generation hotel management company. They already owned three other hotels in the same area, very hands-on. And so I was comfortable with, with the sponsor. I was comfortable with the fact that the sponsor had skin in the game which is really when we look at 
the capital stack, which is, let's drill down a little bit to the numbers. What you want to understand, any type of real estate investment, there's a capital stack. How is this purchase being funded? And at the top of the stack, or maybe you could say at the bottom, depending on how you want to build your stack, but it's the senior debt, the, the bank debt. They're first in line if something goes wrong. This particular opportunity had a price tag for this hotel. They were buying it, $13 million. They were going to borrow $9.4 million in bank debt. It was a bank. It was, it was a loan. The first two years was interest only. And after that, it would amortize over 30 years. And the interest rate that they had modeled was 3%. I'll get to that later, but that's what the, the, the financials. And so that, that was first. Next in a typical deal, behind this senior debt, you have what's known as mezzanine debt. Typically has a higher interest rate, mid to high single digits, it can be, or even higher. And it, it's sort of, sometimes banks don't want to lend the entire amount. And so they'll lend a certain amount, and then you can borrow additional funds in what's known as a mezzanine debt. Behind that, you have preferred equity, which is what this was for me. Preferred equity is paying a, a promised dividend rate. It's not interest, but it's a dividend. In this case, it was 9%. And there was going to be $1 million of preferred equity funded by the Acquire Real Estate Platform. And that's where my $20,000 went. It was would be three years. So 9% per year, and after the third year, they could pay it off, or they could extend for two years. There were two, you could you would choose to extend one year and then another year, but ultimately they could extend two years. Then you have the common equity, which stands behind the preferred equity. Common equity typically has the highest expected return, and because and, you get to participate in the upside. If the, if the property increases in value and when it's sold, the common equity holders benefit from that. Preferred equity, you just get your dividend. You don't get any upside. In this particular deal, it was never really clear whether the sponsor was putting in common equity or preferred equity. Is As I re-looked at the documents, it appeared to be sort of part of the preferred equity bucket. Yet in all the financials and how in their in their letters, they've always sort of treated it as the acquire piece was senior, even though probably from the documents, it wasn't senior. So that's what you want to look at. So that the capital stack and the reason why you want to know what, where do you fall in terms of priority if things just don't go as well? And so preferred equity was, is, there's only two stacks here. We had senior debt and basically had preferred equity with, with least implied priority for the acquire piece. Second, you want to look at the amount of leverage, how much leverage was being used. In this case, it was 70% leverage, so the $9.4 million bank loan. And that's important because the greater the leverage, the certainly if you're a common equity holder, you're higher your potential return, but it's more risky because they have to service the debt, which is why we want to look at the this third piece is the cash flow coverage, the margin of safety. And I spent a lot of time on the spreadsheets that Acquire provided to, to analyze this. I looked at the pro formas. I looked at how 
the particular property had done prior to this particular management company buying them. And and I I got comfortable with with the financials, that there was enough cash flow to be generated to cover the debt payments and the dividends to preferred equity holders and still be some wiggle room there. And and that's where I spent a great deal of time. So it is it does it make sense? Are there aggressive assumptions? So the occupancy rate was kind of in that eighty to eighty five percent range, which which is line what had been historically in other properties. The the it was a boutique hotel, but they weren't aggressively in the performers an aggressive assumption that room rates would be much higher. The the success obviously depended on rebranding the restaurant and bringing in more restaurant revenue. So that was important. And and so you want to look at the cash flow. You want to look at the fees. The fees for this were, were modest, 0.6% to acquire. So they brought the deal. They, they were managing the relationship with the, the hotel, with the sponsor. So they were getting 0.6%. And then the hotel group got 3%. To actually manage it. So the hotel group had skin in the game. They they were putting up close to $3 million into this investment. They got a 3% fee, but it's not like a, it's a hotel management fee. The average hotel management fee for a full-service hotel in the U.S. is 3.5%. So this was, this was not something where it was particularly aggressive. It, it was a reasonable fee. So everything look great in I'm the risk. It would, you can't invest in commercial real estate without assuming some risk. But I thought with a 9% return, given the reputation of the hotel management company, the location of the property, a premier location with, with high barriers to entry, I went ahead and I made essentially two $10,000 investments for a total of twenty thousand dollars. So that was in May 2016. They started making their quarterly preferred equity payment. And I just kind of left it at that. The first sign of trouble occurred in early 2017 when I got the financials for the first year of operation. So the hotel management company took it over beginning of 2016, they had an entire year. And the projection when I invested in May 2016 is that net operating income would be a million dollars. Over the previous 12 months, according to the performance, it had been about $780,000 in operating profit. So with the improvements, more focus on the neighborhood, just more hands-on, the idea was it would come in at a million dollars. With about $917,000 in cash flow. It actually, net operating income was $426,000. So about half of what was projected when I invested nine months earlier. The EBITDA, the earnings before interest taxes and depreciation, was was $75,000. So, I mean, that's what was supposed to be paying the interest. So, and it, what was incongruent was the the letter was very positive. It talked about a solid foundation, things are improving. They didn't mention why they only came in half 
of what was stated in the pro formas. But I, I let it be. I mean, they seemed very, I was quite impressed with how hands-on they were in terms of just, just to even putting how much the flowers, I mean, they would talk about in the letters, the, just the decorating they were doing, just, just very hands-on. Now, they mentioned they had weaker demand in the spring, but they'd put in a solid foundation. Things were looking good. Except the next month, March, had got off to a great start, but they had a pipe burst at the top floor, and it led to significant damage. The hotel was closed for 12 days, and, and obviously they'd lost revenue, which gets to the point with any type of commercial real estate investment. Things happen unexpectedly. And in this case, this, this cost 12 days of revenue. They couldn't, I'm sure there were bad feelings, but that just happens. The next hiccup was in April 2017. You need to be aware of the taxes when it comes to crowdfunding real estate. Ideally, a lot of them are set up as as sort of REIT-type structure, and you get a 1099, so it's very straightforward. Often, though, if it's a common equity investment, preferred equity, you get a K-1. Which is fine. It's not typically that big deal. Sometimes it's delayed. This first year K-1 was delayed. And I got it in April. But I don't typically... I always defer or get an extension for my taxes. I don't ever pay them until September or October. So I I just pay 2017 taxes in October. But the surprise was how the income from this deal was classified. It was listed on the K-1 as a guaranteed payment, and which it's not. I mean, I used to get a guaranteed payment if you have a LLC or some type of structure like that or a partnership, you'll get a guaranteed payment, which stands for your salary. But this was not guaranteed. This was an investment. And I went back and forth. Well, why is it classified like that? The problem with as a guaranteed payment, and I didn't know this until I filed taxes six months later from my accountant. It required me to actually file a state income tax return in the state where this hotel was located, a state that I don't work in. I have no really affiliation with, but there I am now having to file a separate tax return in this state and pay estimated taxes on my $1,600 a year of dividend payments. So that that was a, a a surprise. It was, I wasn't very happy about it, but I got over it. Next up is a July 2017. And that's when I get a notice from Acquire that they sold their entire platform to Realty Shares. In their letter, they said Realty Shares is one of the biggest players in the online real estate industry. Realty Shares has tremendous leadership, a strong position in the market, and it is built for long-term success. We share a vision for making real estate investing more accessible. By joining forces, you will have access to a broader range of deals, a more seamless investing experience, and more investor services and support. You never like to see somebody bought out, but Realty Shares was 
in 2017, according to Real Estate Crowdfunding Review, was the number two real estate crowdfunding platform. And great. Good to hear. Kind of went, I had assigned some additional documents to take the, the member interest I had in the LLC that had invested in this hotel, converted over to Realty Shares. And it was sort of a non-event from, from that perspective. I was going to start getting the documents from Realty Shares. In the meantime, I was continuing to get my quarterly dividend payment. So come April 2018, I stopped getting regular email updates. I had, to, I had to start going to search for them. And so in April 2018, they posted the 2017 results. The hotel management company did. In the letter, they mentioned how it had been a great year, just as they were expecting, even with the little hazard with, with the little flood that they had. $2.9 million in revenue. Great. Except the original forecast was for $5.6 million. That's what was in the pro formas for this particular deal. The gross profit was $566,000 compared to the forecast of $1.5 million. EBITDA was better at $520,000. But the challenge was, if cash flow is only five hundred thousand dollars in twenty eighteen, that's they have to start paying principal on the debt. So their their debt payment is going up fifty percent, and we're still woefully short. So there was I could never find a good explanation. Very rosy financials, but we're coming in half of what's expected. Before we continue, let me pause here and share some words from this week's sponsors. We have a brand new sponsor to our show. It's Yahoo Finance. Yahoo's been around for decades. My first email outside of work was a Yahoo email address. But the financial side, I've used on occasion primarily to get data for dividend histories for particular funds or ETFs. But I was pleasantly surprised to get back on Yahoo Finance to see how it's evolved over the years. Now it's really a financial dashboard where you can get an understanding of what's going on with the markets. There are relevant articles from Bloomberg, Reuters, the Associated Press, and the Yahoo Finance team. You can look at the economic events calendar and see which data series are being released that day and what the consensus is. You can see the pulse of the markets at any time by going to Yahoo Finance. In addition, you could see all of your investments in retirement accounts in one place. With Yahoo Finance, you get a consolidated view of multiple accounts. Yahoo Finance serves as a financial hub for your retirement accounts, but also comprehensive financial news and analysis. You need to check out Yahoo Finance, particularly if you haven't been there in a while. Check it out at yahoofinance.com. That's yahoofinance.com. If you've been using Mint to manage your finances, you know they shut down several months ago. Well, let me tell you about the budgeting solution, the financial tracking solution I've been using for the past number of months. It's Monarch Money. Monarch Money is a top-rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. You can create custom budgets like I've done. You can set goals, collaborate with your partner 
And now you can get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com David. What I like about Monarch is the ability to customize what I want to see. I have custom budget categories, and then I can go on to the dashboard and see where I'm above trend on some of my spending. I especially like that Monarch will never sell your data to third parties or show you ads. After trying Monarch myself, I understand why it's the top-rated personal finance app. And right now, get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com David. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash David for your extended 30-day free trial. After I got the year-end 2017 update in April 2018, I didn't read, I didn't hear anything regarding the operations of this hotel and bistro. I wasn't getting updates. I didn't get any update until October of 2018. And it was results through August. I was curious, how is my investment doing? The letter mentioned they're just strong financial results. They beat last year's revenues and gross operating profit, although they were slightly behind budget. They were showing that profit, operating profit, was $394,000. That was through August. It's greater than the prior year, but EBITDA, earnings before interest taxes, depreciation, and amortization, was $233,000. So still woefully short of the initial projections. But here's what concerned me. They mentioned they were now paying principal on the bank debt, the senior bank debt, but the interest rate was 4.26%. Nowhere in the documentation and the performance did they, they mentioned a 3% interest rate. I assumed it was fixed. Because they did a five-year pro forma and the interest was the same. The interest rate was the same. It's not. It's a variable rate interest. So at 4.26%, they still have $9.2 million outstanding in debt. That's an additional $100,000 a year in interest. And again, through August, the the earnings before interest is only $233,000. That means that on an annual basis, there isn't enough cash flow from the hotel operations to cover the debt and interest payment, even before they pay the preferred equity holders. The letter mentioned they've made two $25,000 quarterly distributions to preferred equity holders through Acquire. They anticipate making two more in that the initial three-year term ends at on 12-31-2018, but they can extend for two additional years. That to pay, they have to come up with a million dollars. Now, maybe the hotel group will buy us out. But at this point, cash flow is tight because interest is going up and projections are more than 50% short of what was modeled. What I, that margin of safety that I depended on in terms of cash flow, it's gone was never really achieved. And now 
after interest in principle, cash flow appears to be negative. And then there was this. They mentioned in the letter that, as you recall, in late May, that they were in the process of shopping the bistro to see if somebody wanted to co-invest. Now, I didn't, I hadn't heard anything about this, but they were bringing in parties. They had hired an outside consultant to help solicit to get feedback, and they found out that co-investment wasn't going to work, that it needed to be a sale. So apparently they're selling the restaurant. I don't know if they're selling the hotel, but they've asked for final and best calls for offers, and they will be sharing with us in the next couple of weeks. This was in early October. I haven't heard anything. It's now mid-November. I don't know if the hotel was for sale or the restaurant's for sale. What I did get was an email on November 7th from Realty Shares that said the company was founded with a mission to connect capital to opportunity with over $870 million invested across more than 1,100 projects we have built one of the top online real estate investment platforms. We're helping investors meet their financial goals and deploying capital to real estate operating companies to execute value-added and development strategies for properties across the U.S. That all sounds great, number one. Until you get to the next paragraph. As an early-stage company, we have relied upon venture capital to fund our operations. Over the past six months, RealtyShare aggressively pursued a number of financing options to continue growing the business. Unfortunately, despite our best efforts, we were unable to secure additional capital. As a result, we will not offer new investments or accept new investors on the RealtyShare's platform. They're shutting down. They raised $58 million in venture capital. That is a ton of money. They're collecting fees, and yet they haven't been able to make it work. They're going to continue. They, they laid off most of the people that had over 100 employees last year. The senior people from Acquire that joined Realty Shares, they're no longer there. They left in 2018. And I don't know. I mean, it. this was... They were ranked number two in 2017 on that review site. They were number nine on 2018. Now they're gone. In fact, that the review site, the, the crowdfunding review site, that, and again, I'll, I'll link to that in the show notes where you can also get on my website, sign up for my free insider's guide. I already have sent you those show notes as well as other valuable, value-added content and essay each week. That's at moneyfortherestofus.com. But that site mentioned that 13 of the top 25 real estate platforms in their 2017 list, of which Realty Shares was number two, are no longer there in 2018. Realty Shares was still in the top 25, but 12 other ones were gone, either because their business model changed, they ran out of money. This is an area that's in turmoil. And the problem is, there isn't any way to figure out who is going to survive. I thought Realty Shares was one of the leading platforms. I would have put money with them. Well, I do have money with them. <laughs> now they're closing. That is disconcerting. 
so I get this email and I don't know. I, I'm assuming my investment will continue to be serviced. But, I, you know, at this point, I've already mentioned that the, I'm on their platform, but the communication I'm getting on this hotel investments are a little spotty, right? To get one update for 2018, the first update for 2018 in August, and they're mentioning selling the restaurant out of the blue. We'll see how that turns out. But it makes it difficult to be comfortable investing in a real estate crowdfunding platform if you don't get any transparency on how the platform is doing. Which is why the takeaway is, is to, is recognized, you don't put so, too much money on one platform because you don't know if it will survive or not. And be very aware of what you're signing in terms of the things that we talked about. You know, what are the fees? What is the capital structure? I, I had to go back and read all my documents and figure out what, what I even have. And, and the investment itself all sounds rosy in the letter, but again, there's significantly sh significant shortfall. So things happen. So don't put too much in any one deal because it always looks positive at the beginning. But that's a huge miss. And there's not a ton of transparency. Now, I've continued to invest in crowdfunding. Most of my investments have been on the Yield Street platform. And I have only, I've done senior debt. We mentioned the different capital structures. I've, I've done several bridge loans that were tied, that had collateral tied to specific properties and short term less generally less than a year i think the longest one i did was maybe two years that a number of them paid off early the rates have been nine percent but you're first in line and the documents are tied directly to the collateral so the document the agreement i signed now the problem is the minimums are higher typically 20 to thirty thousand dollars which makes it challenging but you have the collateral there because one of the concerns is we're in the later stage of, of the real estate market, which is why I've not been comfortable doing equity deals. I did do this preferred equity deal. We're seeing that that's had its challenges. So that that's what I've done. I've done through Yield Street. And one of the other ones that I've looked, I, I continue to have some investments on Pier Street, but I've not been, I've not done additional investments on that. Those were all for less than a year. What I've seen with Pier Street is the often the returns have been fine, six to seven percent. But the, sometimes you don't get your money back right away because they can't get the house sold. These are house flippers; they can't always get the house sold in time. And so it drags on for months at a time. And you have to recognize again with Pier Street, and I don't have any idea what their financials are. They're venture capital backed. But after this realist, reality shares, I, I don't know. And so with Pier Street and these, their contingent payable notes, which means you don't have collateral with the house, Pier Street does. So you have an unsecured liability with Pier Street and these other platforms. So be be aware of the structure. 
So if, if Pier Street would shut down or, or some, you know, go bankrupt, and, and I, I, there's no indication that they are. I assume they're doing very well. But it's a risk. Well, it's why you don't want to put too much on any one platform. The other I looked at on Money for the Rest of Plus in the member forums, we looked at the Blackstone Private Real Estate. This is a, a private REIT. So you, you put your money in. Minimums are 2500 or $2,500 minimum. You don't have to be an accredited investor. And it it's an interesting strategy. So I looked at it. I didn't look at it in great detail. But the problem is the more the lower minimums tend to have higher fees. So this has a commission that you pay. It's sold through brokers oftentimes, 3.5% commission. The ongoing management fee is 1.25%, goes to Blackstone, another 0.85% to the stockholders. I'm sorry, it's called a stockholder servicing fee, basically to the broker. So 3.5% commission, 2.1% expense ratio, and the manager also gets 12.5% of any of the total return above a 5% hurdle rate, which under assuming that you can earn 9% before taxes, which is what I kind of modeled out because it's it's 60% levered, that all-in fees end up being close to 2.5%. So potentially brings your return down to 6.5% would be my expected return for this, assuming no change in value of the underlying real estate. And they, they have apartment buildings, office. So there's opportunities out there, but there's they can be expensive for non-accredited investors, which is why public REITs is often a, a better approach. You get access to the real estate market, the same type of opportunities, apartments, commercial, etc. It's more volatile because it's priced daily, unlike a private REIT or these other opportunities. They're just not valued every day. So they look like they're less volatile, but they ha- they own the same thing. And public REITs have the advantages that the, they're less levered. They only have about 35% leverage. So there's less, less leverage there. And so that's something to be aware of. But that's been my experience on crowdfunding platforms. The generally have done fine. I mean, I'm still getting paid on this on this hotel property, but there's risk when it comes to how long the platform will be around. There's risk in terms of these opportunities often fall short of the pro formas, and. In terms of the the bridge loans I've done to senior debt, there's risk of default. And you don't get the transparency. On the Yield Street deals, I don't even know. I can see who they are, but you don't don't get to see the properties in depth. With this hotel, I got to see, I got a lot of information. Turned out it was wrong, but I got the transparency. A lot of the other deals, you just don't get the transparency. So be cautious in investing and private real estate, particularly on crowdfunding platforms. That's episode 230. As I mentioned, show notes are money for the rest of us.com. Everything I've shared with you in this episode has been for general education. I'm not considered your specific risk situation. I'm not provided investment advice. 
simply general education of money, investing, and the economy. Have a great week.